Okay, so if there's any words, like I said in Shabbat, any words that you don't understand, just tell me. English is better than Hebrew? Please. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, in, in, for everyone. For you, you Israeli? Really? For me, it's better than Hebrew, but I understand English also. Okay, okay. If there's any... This morning, I spoke in uh, the shul that he... Uh, what's it called? The synagogue that I went to this morning? Uh, yeah, yeah. So they asked me to speak after shul, and uh, the rabbi said, Hebrew or English? And some guy said, Yiddish. Yiddish. I can't even speak Yiddish, yeah. <laughs> Hi, good morning. Boketov, Boketov. Okay, so I, I've, had a, I've had a really, really, really special time the last few days, and I, I can't wait to go home to Eretz Yisrael tonight. So first of all, everyone's in, I, I keep on opening invitations to whoever, to everyone, everyone I meet. And I have my wife's permission to invite. <laughs> it's not just on my own. That our house and our home and our Shabbat table and our shul open to everyone. Please feel like whenever it happens that you come to Eretz Yisrael, our home is waiting for you. That's first of all. And um, I was thinking though that, what do I want to learn? What do I want to talk about with you a little bit? And I'm, I've been away from Eretz Yisrael for three days and it's, it hurts to be so far for me. So I'm thinking, if it's so hard for me, I can't even imagine how hard it is for you to be so far from Eretz Yisrael for so long. It's, it must be very, very intense, very, very difficult. So I want to talk about, I want to talk about Kedushat Eretz Yisrael. I want to talk about connecting to Eretz Yisrael. But I want to talk about it through a very specific function. You know what function means? How do you say it? Oh, yes, of course you know what that means. And it's, the, it's, a, it's a very special way of, of thinking about Eretz Yisrael. And I want you to think about it for a second. And it has to do with the, first of all, open with the story. This is a very, very special story. One of the big tzaddikim that lived in about 110 years ago, his name was Rabbi Elimelech of Karlin, name of a, of a, a rabbi. Elimelech of Karlin. And Rabbi Elimelech of Karlin traveled from Poland to Eretz Yisrael. Back then, took the boat, took a, I don't know how long it took, but it wasn't, it was a, probably, I don't know, a full day. And when they got to the beat, to the, the boat got to the dock, to the port in Jaffa, in Yafo, so a lot of Hasidim came to greet him. Because the Rebbe came, it was very special. And then they went into a, another, like a train, I think, from Tel Aviv to Yerushalayim, because he wanted to go right away to daven, to pray in Yerushalayim. You know, sometimes I see people, they come to Eretz Yisrael, they come and they take tours of Mitzada, Eilat, you know, the Golan. Well, Yerushalayim, I don't know, maybe. Yerushalayim is the... It's like buying a house... But like choosing to not see what the bedroom looks like. That's the, the bedroom is, is the heart of the brain. Or I guess the kitchen, maybe. Like not caring what the kitchen looks like. Whatever. So he wanted to go right away to, to, uh, to Yerushalayim. And he was very tired. So the Hasidim told him, Okay, Rebbe, now you have like another hour till we get to Yerushalayim. Close your eyes. Go shluf. Shluf in Yiddish means to go to sleep. That means to sleep. Go, go to sleep for a little bit. But 
the whole time in the, in the train, the Rebbe is like this. He's looking, he's looking, he's looking, he's looking. And he's, the Hasidim say, Rebbe, you, you traveled for so long, you're probably so tired. And he's looking, he's looking. He said, listen, let me tell you something. There's a pasuk in the Torah that says that about Eretz Yisrael, the pasuk says, Eretz asher einei Hashem elokecha ba mirishit hashana ve'ad acharit shana. That means that Eretz Yisrael is the land that Hashem's eyes are always looking on Eretz Yisrael. He said, I want to look at what God is looking at for the first time in my life. You understand? In English, you understand that, right? I want to look at what God is looking at. Because I'm in Poland my whole life. And I, God created the whole world, it's true. But I want to look at what God is looking at at that moment. Now, I think about that story all the time. Um, because it makes life very intense also. That's why life in Israel is beautiful, but it's also very, very intense because you know, you're constantly looking at what God is looking at. It's like a very, like, uh-oh, all the time. Like, I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what it's going to be, you know? But it's also, it's very beautiful. It's very special. Um, it's a, it's a, it changes the way that you live when you're looking at the same thing that Hashem is looking at. And that's why I want to talk with you for a few minutes about the eyes. The, the power of eyes, the power of looking. Like right now, whatever I say or don't say goes through a certain filter to you. You know what a filter is? Yes. Filter, it's not just my words, but it also, for some reason, the, what I look like to you makes the words sound a certain way. It's like that with everyone in the world. Right? And that's why the more, you know, something is holy, it should be filled with kavod, and it should look beautiful, because our eyes are very, very big judges of our, how we decide to look at things. And that's one thing I want to say about the Jews here of Mexico. The, 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 at least the places that I went to, it's such kavod, the, the shul, the Bet Knesset here. The one I was in this morning, upstairs, I, when I landed here on Friday morning, I went right to Davin here. It's what we call malchut. It's like mamash, glorious. And it's because it makes the eyes right away be like, wow, you're in a very holy place. And that's why in, in Yadud, there's no inyan to look like a uh, poor person. You have to look bechavod. And the rabbis here all look very, uh, I guess the, in, in English, it's called prestigious. I don't know how you say that in Spanish, but it also sounds like, a, yeah, what, prestigio or something? <laughs> it sounds close. It's malchut. Pacho looks like a king. He, your husband, he carries him. Your brother. <laughs> Long story. He looks very mechubad. The shul I was in this morning where I davened. Wow. Such malchut is beautiful. Because the first time we see something, it does something to our eyes. Now let's look at the function of the eyes. The eyes have two functions. One is to see what's in front of you, and one is to see what's beyond you, not just what's in front of you. Because sometimes I can look at someone with my eyes, and the impression that I get is, but really, inside, 
They're so, they're crying for Hashem. Like those two boys that I saw yesterday in the hotel. When I looked at them in the hotel, I was like, are you crazy? But then when I looked at them last night in the restaurant, crying, so the eyes, it's two functions. One, and eyes don't lie. You can look into someone's eyes and you could see what they really want from this world. When you look deep into someone's eyes, you could see what they really want. Mamash kacha. And it's scary. Sometimes it's so scary because it's like, it's so clear. So let's look at the eyes in the Torah a little bit. You know, first of all, Hashem tells Avram Avinu, whenever he tells him to look at Eretz Yisrael, he says, Sa na inecha. Lift up your eyes. Lift up the way that you look at things. Don't look at things face value. Did I say face value? Right? Look at it much, look at it more. Look at it with something more. So when Hashem says, He says, Sana enecha ure'e. Lift up, lift up the way that you look at people. But there's a, the eyes come across again in a very interesting way. One of the most romantic stories in the Torah is probably the story of how Yitzchak met Rivka. So how did Yitzchak Avinu meet Rivka? So it was through a very humble shaliach, a, a, a student of Avraham Avinu, Eliezer. And Eliezer, the Torah, tells us exactly all these different details about how Eliezer met Rivka, how he knew she was the one to marry Yitzchak. And it, it, it goes, it's like a lot of different, a lot of psukim explaining exactly how they met, what they looked like, what she looked like. Every miracle, remember, there were a lot of miracles, a lot of nisim that happened when they met each other. First of all, she, you know, the water... Instead of going down to get water for the camels, the, waters, the water came up to her. And the Gemara speaks about a lot of different miracles that happened. But then it's an amazing thing. You think, wow, he saw this woman. She must have been, I don't know, 23, 28, 34. And he knew this is the right woman for Yitzchak. How old was Rivka? She was three years old. So already in 20, you know, when people read the Torah, they look at it with eyes of like, you know, the year 2022, and they say, oh, the Torah is wrong, and all, you know, all these stupid things people say. What, what, what's going on over here? Let's say she was three. It's only according to one mid, right? Let's say she was three years old. How in the world? First of all, how could she schlep so much water for the camels? And how could there be such a, an amazing conversation between them? How could it be? So when he describes to her family how he met Rivka, he uses a very important phrase, a pasuk. He says, Va'avo hayom el ha'ain. I came today to the water. I came today and I met her over here where the water is. That's what he says. But he could have used another word. He could have said, Va'avo hayom, I came today el ha'ma'im. Or he could have said, Va'avo ayom el ha'be'er, I came to the well. Or, Va'avo ayom el ha'ma'ayan. Why did he use the word ayin? So you know what a ma'ayan in Hebrew means? Ma'ayan. Yeah. Ma'ayan. Like a mikvah. Okay? 
Ma'ayan, though, is the same, comes from the same Lashon of Ayn. Why? So I was thinking like this. Eliezer looked into Rivka's eyes. Va'avo hayom el ha'ayin. Maybe she's three years old. But I looked right into her eyes and I saw that the way that she's looking at the world, she's going to be the mother of Am Yisrael. Even if she's three years old. Because it doesn't matter, like children, it's so true, right? I mean, some of you have, have younger children, older children. Hopefully it always looks like this with your children. When you're, you know, a few months ago, we had our daughter, our oldest daughter's bat mitzvah. You're having your daughter's uh, bat mitzvah. Our oldest daughter, Tiferet, she's, she's, she's her name. Tiferet means like sp- splendor, beauty, like just such glorious beauty. She's beautiful inside and outside. I saw the way she was looking at us from a young age, looking at her mommy and, uh, mommy and daddy and her mother and father. I look at the way she looks at us today, and it's still with these eyes of longing, of, I want, I want you to tell me that everything's going to be okay in the world. Like, I want, you to, I want the house that I live in to be a house where people are looking forward to Mashiach coming. And Baruch Hashem, I felt like that when she was born. I remember the first time she looked at me, I was like, wow, I have to do tshuva. That was my first thought. Like, I have to get my act together. And Baruch Hashem, it's like that with all our, all our children, but it, it's still like that with her. Like when she looks at me with these eyes of, the world has to be more beautiful, right? So it doesn't matter if it's three years old, it doesn't matter if it's 12 years old. The eyes, the function of the eyes is, is a very special thing. And the more that I look at what Hashem looks at, which is Eretz Yisrael, the more I have a mikvah for my eyes. The more I have... Mamash, my eyes become pure. You know, sometimes people look at each other and I feel like they're sending arrows. You know what arrows are? Like darts, you know? Sometimes someone looks at you and and the way they look at you, it's like, I don't want your uh, light in the world. I'm going to throw a dart in you. And sometimes you see people, they look at you with these eyes of longing and you meet, you meet friends, like I met a lot of people like that over Shabbat and Atesi and, and also over here where there are people that are like looking at you and they're saying, let's, let's use the eyes of Eretz Yisrael to look at a world that can be more beautiful. Pashut me'od. Now, I want you now to open your heart when I say, what I'm going to say right now. When did the eyes begin to suffer in this world? Where's the first time in the world that eyes stopped doing what it was supposed to be doing? So we have to go, of course, to Adam and Chava. The eyes, the sense of eye, of, of re'iyah, chusha re'iyah, the sense of the eyesight, is the beginning of the downfall of humankind, of humanity. Why? Because Chava... Eve, she blemished, she did a pagam. How do you say blemish? Pagam, divgom, like she blemished. Is that blame? Is the same birth as blame? No, 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 no. 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 Yeah? She blemished. How many senses do we have? We have five senses, right? 
she blemished four out of the five senses. Because she blemished what she saw, right? She blemished what she heard from the, her ears, because she, she listened to the nachash, to the snake. And she blemished the sense of feeling, because she felt, right? And taste, because she ate from the tree. But the one sense she didn't blemish was chushareach, the, the, the sense of smell. That's why one of the reasons on Motzei Shabbat, we do besamim, havdala, because we want to stay in Gan Eden of Shabbos. Right? It's one of the reasons why we, we blemish in Kabbalah, the sense of smell is the most uh, refined spiritual sense from all of them because it was never blemished in the Garden of Eden. It's amazing that these things still affect us still today. But the first thing she did wrong was, the Torah says, Vatere Ha'isha. She saw the fruit. What's so wrong about seeing the fruit? It's the rest of the Pasuk. The Torah says, Vatere Ha'isha, Kitov Ha'etz Lema'achal. She looked at the fruit, and instead of saying, wow, that's a beautiful fruit, and just saying it's beautiful, she said, Aisha, it's beautiful to eat it. So she didn't just look at it and say, wow, what a beautiful thing. When she saw something beautiful, she said, what is this good for? What could I do with this? How could I use this? You know, sometimes we see people, we look at them, we see a nice thing about them, but our mind starts working and saying, what could I get out of this? Is this good for me? Is this relationship going to be good? Especially, and I'm telling you, rabbis have to be very careful with this because they meet people with, let's say, mucho dinero, beautiful people, and it's a very big, it's a very big uh, test to be able to say, these are just beautiful people. Hashem, if they could help build these beautiful places, Bezrat Hashem. But I also just want to realize that they're beautiful and not think too much more about it. But with friendships, it's like that also. I see something that looks beautiful. I see something that looks precious. And my mind instantly, what does it do to me? Say, what could I get out of this? What? What's that? You're explaining. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. What could I get out of this? So Eve, Chava, she looked at the tree, and the Torah tells us, Vatere Aisha, it's no problem, you could look, but what? Kitov That's the downfall. That's how everything began to fall, because the Chusha the sense of sight, became blemished, because I tried to see what I could do with it. Instead of just saying, wow, this is beautiful. Now we had a chance to fix this. Am Yisrael had a chance to fix the pagam of the re'iyah, the blemish of the sight. You know when? So for me, it's this coming parasha. For you, it's next week, because you're one parasha behind. You're going to read parashat Ba'alotcha this Shabbat. I'm going home tonight. We're one week ahead. And we're going to read parashat Shlach Lecha. It's my bar mitzvah, parashat, parashat Shlach Lecha, because my birthday is... Uh, in a few days. So this is very close to my heart, this parasha. And what's the parasha of Shlach Lecha? Shlach Lecha, Nashim Deyaturu Et Eretz Kenan. Moshe Rabbeinu, Hashem says, listen, go and send Meraglim, go and send people to go and see the land. 
go and to go and see the land, and come back and tell us what is Eretz Yisrael all about. But the Meraglim went with the eyes of Chava after she, like when she ate from the tree of knowledge, because they went to Eretz Yisrael and they said, they didn't just say it's beautiful. They said. What is it good for? Is it good for this? Is it good for that? Instead of just being like, can you imagine if we looked at our children and said, wow, they're so beautiful. I could use them for so-and-so. And sometimes you have parents like that. Unfortunately, they look at their children, they get a little bit older. They notice what their talents are, what they're good at, what they're bad at. And it starts to mess with their head. They say, oh, he's good for the family business. She's good for that. Instead of just being like, My children are beautiful. Hopefully they'll find out what they're good at and they'll do good in life. But that I should use my child? But Eretz Yisrael, Hashem wanted us to look at Eretz Yisrael with the eyes of saying, just look at how beautiful it is. And then come back, come back to, come back to the Midbar, and just tell, tell Am Yisrael how beautiful the whole, the whole land is, right? And instead, you know what happened. We went, 12 went. 10 out of the 12 came back and said, it's good for this, it's not good for this. But two of them, the tzaddikim, Yoshua and Kalev, they come back and they say, what are you talking about? It's God's land. It's beautiful. Zeu. And you all know that when they came back and they said what they said, you know what happened to Am Yisrael that night? You know what night it was in, the, in, the, in Tisha B'Av, right? And it says what? That they started crying and crying and crying and crying because they, they thought like, oh my God, life is so horrible. You know what? Life is horrible when you look at people and at the world like that. Life is horrible. It's an ugly world you live in. It's a horrible life. It's not fun, it's not good, it's not holy, it's not special, and it's not optimistic. You know, it's uh, optimistic, right? It's, it's, it's pessimistic. It's the anti of life. It's death. It's not life, it's death. So they also could have fixed it, but they didn't. But there is one time a year where we fix the way we look at things. You know when it is? It's a very special time of year. And that is Chanukah. Why? What do we do with the light of Chanukah? What can you do with the candles? We have no permission to use them. Just to look at them. Because when I look at beauty and I just say, this is beautiful, it makes me say, thank you, Hashem. The more that I look at people or at the world or at, the, and at our children more than anything and I just say this is beautiful, it makes me realize all the other areas in my life that are also beautiful. It brings me appreciation for everything else and it makes me feel like a Jew who lives in a state of gratitude. You know what that means, right? Gratitude. That that's how I live. And if you think about it, What's the first word I say in the morning? Thank you. That's the first word I say. 
What's the only word that I repeat twice every time I do Shmonasri, especially when I daven with the, with the tzibur? Modim anach I thank you. In Hebrew, the word thank you means something else, though. Modeh also means I admit. You know what that means? Admit? Yes. I admit. Ani modeh. I admit that I'm nothing. And the more that I'm thankful for the beauty in my life, the less my ego is big. And I admit I'm nothing. And all of this starts with the eyes and especially the eyes of Eretz Yisrael. Now, I don't want to put any pressure on you, women, but I will. And I'll tell you why. The end of this parasha that you're in, Beha'alotcha, it's a very sad story. Very sad story. Do you know what happens in the end of parashat Beha'alotcha? Very sad. You know, there's... It's always hard when siblings don't get along, brothers and sisters don't get along. I'm sure everyone here has no family problems and everyone gets along in Mexico and brothers and sisters never fight. But sometimes, <laughs> right? I'm being a little bit sarcastic. I'm sure, it ha- I'm sure it happens here also. It happens, listen, the first two brothers that ever lived in the world, one killed the other. So it's, it's a tikkun we try to do every every generation, because this is in the creation of the world, the first parents that ever lived had to bury one of their children. Hashem Yishmor. Think about it. So this is something that happens every door. We have a chance to try to fix tikkun mishpacha, fixing a family, because of what, the way it began. Now, this, this, this concept of like the brothers and sisters not getting along, we see it throughout the whole Torah. It's an average. Where's another very big story where brothers aren't really getting along? Well, let's see. Yitzchak and Ishmael, Yaakov and Esav, Yosef and his brothers. This keeps on going on nonstop. You know, it's funny. My name is Shlomo. My father, Baruch Hashem, he should live long and happy in many years. Uh, he's from Buenos Aires. He's a very, and, and he, it's, it's amazing to me that he, he's so happy and optimistic, because he had a very sad life growing up in Argentina. Very sad. His mother, my grandmother, jumped off the train on the way to Auschwitz, and then they ran away to Argentina. But you know who also ran away to Argentina? Together with Jews, a bunch of Nazis also. So my father grew up in the streets of Argentina, with also with Nazis in the streets of Argentina. Very, very heavy. But he's so full of simcha, it's unbelievable. And my father looks at people with eye, mamash. Think of my father. His eyesight is pure. It's just, he, he, he just looks at how beautiful things are and he doesn't try to manipulate and say, what could I use this for? What couldn't I use this for? But what's funny, what I was going to tell you is that my father's name is Avshalom and my name is Shlomo. Do you know what that was in the Tanakh? You know what we were? Shlomo and Avshalom were brothers. They were the sons of David Amelech. The only thing is, is that he tried to kill my, our father in the Tanakh. Because Avshalom tried to kill David. It's, it's a little bit complicated, but I think my father and I are the tikkun, because we were like brothers and we love each other so much. You know? <laughs> so much. Anyway, Moshe Rabbeinu, in the end of the parasha, 
possibly could have been very insulted and very sad. We don't know really how he felt, but we know that Hashem wasn't happy with his sister and his brother, Miriam and Aharon. Why? Because it says over there, Al odot We don't really understand exactly from the Torah why Miriam and Aaron spoke Lashon Hara about Moshe Rabbeinu. We don't understand it exactly, but we know that Miriam ends up suffering. What does she get at the end of the parasha? Tzarat. And then it says, Am Yisrael couldn't continue. They had to wait seven days. She was put in the back. She had to be like in her own area. And all of Am Yisrael had to wait it until she was healed to move on, to move forward. But it's very confusing. First of all, why wasn't Aaron punished also? Why just Miriam? If, if, if both of them spoke about Moshe Rabbeinu, then how come only, why not both of them? Aaron should have gotten punished too, but only Miriam. So I, I, don't, I don't have an answer to that. But listen to this. This is unbelievable. I learned this about six years ago, and I can't believe that not everyone knows this. In the beginning of Shlach, this parasha for me, which is right after the Lashon Hara of Miriam and Aaron. So there's a commentator, it's called the Kliakar. Have you heard of the Kliakar? He's one of the commentators in the Torah. And he says there's something amazing. He says, Hashem, the Torah says, Shlach Lecha Anashim. Hashem tells Moshe, Shlach Lecha Anashim, to go and check Eretz Yisrael. Meaning, Moshe Rabbeinu, if you want to go and, and send people, fine. But if you would have asked me, who should be people that go and look at Eretz Yisrael, I would have told you to send women. That's what the Kliyakar says. If, if, you, says. if you would have asked me, who should go and look at Eretz Yisrael, I would have told you, take 12 women and send them to Eretz Yisrael to be the Meraglot that they should look at it. Why, he says? Because another time in the Torah that the eyes really messed up was the golden calf, Chet HaEgel. And the women, maybe they gave their jewelry, but they didn't look at the golden calf, at the Avodah Zarah. They didn't. So their eyes weren't blemished. They had a purity of the eyes. And the Kliyakar says, if Moshe Rabbeinu would have asked Hashem, who should go and look at Eretz Yisrael? It would have been women. So now go back to the end of this parasha. What was the Lashon Ara, or maybe not Lashon Ara, but what was Miriam and Aaron saying to Moshe Rabbeinu? They had a claim against him. Because we know the Midrash tells us, Moshe Rabbeinu and Sipora stopped living with each other. Right? They were, they, he, he, he couldn't continue being Moshe Rabbeinu and also taking care of all of the Am. So Miriam and Aaron thought, they said to Moshe Rabbeinu, if you were still living with a woman and you remember how women look at the world, right? You would have chosen to send women to Eretz Yisrael instead of men. I learned, I, I can't believe that. This is, this is the deepest thing in the world. That was the Lashon Arabe Israel. 
you would have been able to take Am Yisrael into Eretz Yisrael right away instead of 40 years. It was the, for, the, the, the decree, the onish, the punishment to spend 40 years in the desert only happened when the Meraglim came back and they said their Lashon about Eretz Yisrael after they said what their eyes saw. But can you imagine if the women would have come back from Eretz Yisrael? Well, I have a question. Yeah. The Lashonara from Miriam was before the Meraglim. Right. So why she said that? No, because the Torah says that meaning the, the reason why this, the, 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 the Parsha of Shlach comes right after the Parsha of the Lashonara, there's many reasons, but one of the explanations is it was happening at the same time. The decision to send Miraglim was happening the same time that this was happening. And remember, there's a concept in Hebrew, in English, it's called, you know what integrity means? How do you say that in Spanish? Integrity. Oh, really? How about chronology? So now say this, chronological integrity. How do you say that? There's no chronological integrity in the Torah. It's not, it doesn't work the way that we understand it, right? So that's why. But because it comes right there together, one after the other, that's why the Kliyakar explains the whole reason behind this problem that, that happened with Miriam and Aaron. You see, remember, Miriam was married. Miriam was married to, you know who Miriam was married to? Mary, no, no, Miriam was married to. Does anyone know? Hold on a second. Aaron was married to a very holy woman. It's a woman, well, a woman that also saw two of her sons die. Elisheva Batamindav. That was her name. Aaron's brother-in-law was Nachshon, because Nachshon was the brother of Elisheva. They're both the children of Aminadav, right? So, and Miriam, of course, with Chur. So the. the, the they knew what family was like. They, they, knew, they knew what it was like. And they said, Ah, Moshe Rabbeinu, if you just would have been able to stick with your wife, and you would have remembered how a woman really looks, looks at the world, Bezrat Hashem. A man's way of looking at the world is still very much blemished. Because we're, still, we're, we're, we're stuck with our own tikkunim of trying to make ourselves feel accomplished. And the more I understand how to use people, and manipulate people, I could feel very accomplished about myself. Even though it's, it's a lie, it's not real. But a woman has a purity of the way she looks at the world. It's because as holy as a man can ever be, no matter what we do, the biggest mitzvah we ever do, the, the hours and hours of Torah we do, the hundreds of thousands of dollars we give to tzedakah, maybe, doesn't come close at all, to when a woman brings life into the world. So the purity of that experience 
a man can never come close to. So that's why I told you before, no pressure, but it is pressure, meaning the way to look at the world, the men are waiting for women to lead the world in terms of how you look at the world. And this begins with Chava in Etzadat Tovarah. This began, this is the, in a certain sense, this is what we're busy doing in this whole world. Because let's, let's face it, if we lived in a world, if we lived in a world where everyone was looking at each other with eyes of not trying to use you, but just acknowledging your specialness, the beauty, the glory, just looked at that. And not eyes of trying to, like eyes of a snake. It's a, it's a concept, it's a phrase, right? You have snake eyes. I don't know if, you, I don't know if they say that in, in Mexico. But in America they use it, oh, he's a shady guy, he's a snake eyes. That means he's like looking at you to try to, to, try to get you in, right? But if, if we killed the snake from the world and the way our children looked at the world, they could go out to the world and they could trust the way that people look at them. Today we live in a world, we tell our children, listen, if someone says, if you walk down the street and there's a person that looks at you and says, you're beautiful, what do we tell them? Run away, call the police, right? And it's true, we have to protect them. That's not the way God intended to, to this world. The way God intended this world is that children walk the streets of the world. People look at them and say, you're beautiful. That's it. And, and, it's, and it's pure. It's clean. So, Bezrat Hashem, Bezrat Hashem, Bezrat and Bezrat these parashot that you're learning now, and it's great that we got to talk about this right now, is I'm going into Shlach, you're in Baalot Cha, and next week you'll be in Shlach. We should be able to take a lot of koach from the Torah Kedoshah to purify the way we look at, the, at ourselves. You know, we look at ourselves also and we say, what good are you for? Instead of looking in the mirror and saying, wow. Can you imagine if we looked in the mirror and just said, wow, you're beautiful, but you're not, it's not the ego. It's, it's like, Hashem, what a beautiful creation you just made right now. We would feel better about ourselves. It would be holier. It would be a more pure way of living in this world. And I know how much you want that for your children and for your grandchildren and for your future children, B'Sha'at Tovah. You know, you're, I don't know what, what you want to call him, but you're, you're, you're Chudeo. He's, he's, he has good eyes. We should learn from you how to continue to look at the world. And I hope we have many more times to get to learn Bezrat Hashem for many more years to come. Okay. Thank you. 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 Thank you.